Good morning. Please stand and worship God with us this morning. We love you and we want you to praise God and give him all the glory and praise this morning. Thanks for being here. And here we go.
Yeah, you all can be seated. Thank you so much for joining us, worship team. Thank you. We love you guys. But really, blessed be the name of the Lord, the most glorious name, the one to the one who has saved us, who has redeemed us, and now calls us his, no, his own. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. It is so good to see you guys here today. So thankful that you've made it out this morning to us. So glad that you're here. And all those online, thank you so much for tuning in. We miss you. We love you. And we hope you guys are doing well and staying healthy. Man, today's an exciting day. I'm so pumped for all that God has in store for us. So I'm going to invite you to stand right back up. Get your exercise in. Glad you're here. And I'm going to ask God's blessing on our service today. Bow with me in prayer. Lord, we love you. And again, thank you so much for bringing us back to be here in this place is, is a, is, it's a precious place to us as, as our church family, as Kavanaugh Church, to be able to come here to learn worship and to lift you up with praise. Lord, a lot of us come in here with a lot of different things, baggage through the rest of, from the previous week. God, um, whether we're full of praise and things are going well or where we're weary, we're tired and we're restless. But God, right now, Bring us, bring us all to an equal playing field. Bring us into your presence where we can experience you, experience your joy, and we can have a heart and a life of peace. Lord, we love you. Be with our pastor today as he brings the message uh, and, and stir in our heart a new way to, to, to race and chase after you. We love you in your name. Amen. Let's continue to worship and praise this morning. You're calling me over You're pulling me
Oh, our Heavenly Father, as we stand in your presence this morning, we need you. I'm so thankful that we just call the name Jesus, and you're there. And we feel you this morning, Lord. I'm so thankful that we need you. God, you're holy. You're strong. And you have all power. You have the power to heal. You have the power to forgive. You have the power to cleanse. We just need to call on your name. And that's all it takes. Jesus. And that's what we're doing this morning. We're calling on your name, Jesus. Forgive us. Cleanse us. Feed us this morning, Lord. As your word is opened, feed us. And one day, when you call our names, we'll come running. Lord, I can't wait for that day. I pray you just wash over us this morning, Lord. We feel your presence so strong this morning in this place. It's your place. And I pray, Lord, that when we leave this place, we will not be the same as when we came here. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. And we give you honor and glory and everything that is yours. You are wonderful. You are powerful and you are holy. We love you, Jesus. And they all said, Amen. Appreciate them leading us in worship today. Uh, did a fantastic job. Glad that you're here. Those of you who are viewing online, we welcome you as well. How'd you sleep last night? Everybody do good? Uh, how many of y'all dream when you sleep? Do you have dreams? You know that you have dreams. Do you remember your dreams? Okay. How many of y'all dream in color? Because it's very unusual to be able to dream in color. You've got to have a vivid imagination. I dream every night. I mean, every night I have a dream, and usually it's something heroic. You know, I, I'm always the hero in my own dreams and, uh, and uh, usually have uh, good dreams. Uh, I didn't have good dreams last night. Uh, in fact, they were on the dark side. Uh, very, very, I call them nightmares. And at 4.14, I woke up uh, in the middle of, of, of the night, and I was wringing wet. Uh, even though the temperature in the house is 68 degrees, I was wringing wet, and I was mad as a hornet, and I was ready to fight somebody. I mean, it, it had been one of those dreams, and I, I had, you know, when you wake up just like that, you, you're, you're somewhat dazed, all right? And, but I had the sense somebody was in my house, uh, and I didn't feel like it was a real person in my house, so I didn't get one of the guns on my nightstand. Okay, if you, 
If you want to try to break in my house at night, just know that there are guns all over the house. But I didn't even pick up a gun because I, I didn't feel like it was a person. I felt like there was a demon in my house. It was one of those kind of dreams. And so I, I literally got up and I walked through the house and I, I was ready to fight, but there's nobody to fight. And I came back to the bedroom and uh, man, I was wide awake and I knew, Ken, I knew it was spiritual warfare. That's what was happening in my life, spiritual warfare. And so I got down on my knees beside my bread bed. It, it reminded me of my days back in Pine Bluff, right? <laughs> Reliving all that. And, and I just cried out to God and I said, God, I need strength. I need your strength to make it through. Give me your strength. Have you ever come to a point in your life where you really didn't know if you had the strength to go on? Okay. Whether it's in dealing in a relationship or a problem at work or a financial difficulty or a health-related issue, you really questioned whether or not you had the strength to make it through it. Anybody been there? I was there last night, but I was reminded of what Jesus said in John chapter 16. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Some translations use the word tribulation. Whether it's tribulation or trouble, I've felt it before. How about you? In this world, we're going to have trouble. But here's what Jesus said. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And so I knew at 4.15 this morning when I was praying, I was praying to somebody who could give me the strength to make it through. Because Jesus has gone through trouble. And he was successful on the other side. I'm going to start off with a couple of bummer stories. We're going, to, we're going to start low, but we're going to end high today, all right? Uh, I read about this man who fell in love with the girl, the woman of his dream, and they got married, and they, they had a great life. Uh, everything was fantastic until one day a police officer knocked on his front door and told him the tragic news that his wife was involved in an accident, and it was fatal, and she died. Let me tell you, that this guy went through a grieving process like you wouldn't imagine. It took him months, if not years, to just get to a place where he could cope in life. But finally, he arrived at that place, and he wrote an article on grief management. And here's the title that he gave his article, The Strength to Go On. The Strength to Go On. I read another story about a young mother who had a beautiful baby boy, and her boy contracted this rare illness, and he died. And again, she went through this long grieving process, but it took her back to college, where she earned her degree in counseling and became a counselor, helping other young parents who went through or go through similar situations. She said in a newspaper interview, when it happens, you feel like you can't go on. But God gave me the strength to go on, and I feel like now it's my mission to help other people in life to find the strength they need to go on. All of us come to a point in life where we aren't sure that we have the strength to go on. But the Bible has many passages for us when we feel that way. In fact, the word strong and strength and strengthen are found over 500 times in the Bible. And today I want to show you this wonderful little passage of Scripture talking to us about the strength that we need to go on. And it is a daily strength. 
Remember what we're talking about? We're talking about becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, and that is a day-by-day process. We've been looking at a little phrase found six times in the Bible, day-by-day. And here is one of those instances where we can have daily strength, day-by-day strength to make it through whatever we're facing. This passage is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed, what? Day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but we are looking at those things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which we cannot see are eternal. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word. And dear Lord, as I try to speak it on the outside, would you please speak this word of encouragement into our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I've studied this passage this week, I've discovered four dimensions here to finding the strength that we need to go on no matter what our circumstances are in life. And the first dimension is an onward dimension. Paul is talking about his onward walk every day with Jesus. He says in verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart. The word therefore connects the paragraph to the preceding paragraph where Paul is talking about how he is cast down but yet not conquered. Notice what he said in verse 8 and following. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Paul's life is beset by struggles and suffering on every side. Yet he has made up his mind that he was not going to lose his joy or his enthusiasm or his exuberance or his victory in Jesus Christ. In verse number one, he declares, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. And now he's picking up on that same theme in verse 16 when he says, Therefore... We do not lose heart. Let me just stop right now and do a timeout. That's a powerful phrase. We do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. In Christ, we're not going to lose heart. Paul may have lost a whole lot of sleep, like I lost last night, but you know what? He's not going to lose heart. He may lose friends, but he's not going to lose heart. He might lose his earthly fame and prestige, worldly wealth and comfort. He may lose the skin off of his back and years off of his life, but he's not going to lose heart. As long as he has the Word of God in the Bible and the Holy Spirit of God in his heart, he's not going to lose heart. The Greek word that Paul used here means to lose motivation or to become weary, or to become discouraged, or to give up. 
And literally what he is saying is this, no matter how hard things may be, I am not going to lose my motivation. I'm not going to fall into discouragement. I'm not going to lose heart, and I refuse to give up. How about a big amen from everybody? Because let me tell you, that is pure dog determination. In my house, we call it bulldog determination. So how about those Greenwood Bulldogs? And the Van Buren Pointers. And the Poto Pirates. They don't lose heart. They don't give in. They don't give up. That is a theme or a motif that is found all the way through the Word of God. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 31, it says, Don't give up hope. 2 Chronicles 15, 7. But as for you, be strong and do not give up. For your work shall be rewarded. Psalm 143, verse 3. When I am ready to give up, he knows what I should do. Acts 18, 9. Do not be afraid, but keep on speaking and do not give up. Romans 12, never give up. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Even when we don't know what we are to do, never give up. And Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, always pray and don't give up. And that's the word of God. Don't give up. But perhaps you're here today and you're facing some, some hardships in life and, and you feel like giving up. But the greatest secret to the prevailing life is the refusal to give up or to give in. In fact, the greatest leaders in human history and also in the world of athletics and sports have all had one thing in common. That is, they refused to give up even when things were grim. I love reading about this particular war hero. His name is Captain Eddie Rickenbacker. In fact, Brother Al Valentine, who comes to our first service, was a personal friend of Captain Eddie, and he's told me countless stories about this great war hero. He, he was on a raft out in the ocean for days and nights, and yet he survived. Here's what he said was the secret to his success. He said, my mother, a very poor woman in Columbus, Ohio, taught her kids how to pray, how to read the Bible, how to love Jesus Christ, and never to give up. Do you get that? I love Coach Bear Bryant, even though he coached at Alabama. He, he said often, hey, even if you're losing at halftime, don't let it get you down. Figure out a way how you can win the second half. That's some pretty good advice. Michael Jordan said, if you run into a wall, don't turn around and give up. Figure out how you can climb over it, go through it, or walk around it. The great golfer Tony Lima said, if I had to cram all of my tournament experience into one sentence, I would say this, don't give up and don't let up. And you might think that that's just a bunch of sports talk, but let me tell you, that is Pauline theology. That is from the Word of God. The Apostle Paul is saying here, therefore, we don't lose heart. We don't give up. We don't let up. We don't allow adversity to neutralize our calling. We press on. 
And my friend, that is the attitude that we've got to adopt if we are going to finish the course that God has set before us and if we are going to keep the faith. It is the onward dimension. We just keep trucking. Even when you're facing adversity, you keep going because it's God who gives us the strength to do that. The second dimension that he talks about here is the outward dimension. Notice again verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart even though our what? Outward man is perishing. In other words, physically we aren't getting any younger. Have you looked in the mirror lately? And sooner or later, we're going to start to fall apart. Oh, me. It's true. But Paul had accepted that because he understood that, you know what? I am getting older. I, I have faced trials in life. My, my body is failing. I'm falling apart. But you know what? In Christ, I have eternal life. And just the temporary wear and tear of this old body isn't really that big of a deal. He accepted the fact that he was growing older. He accepted the fact that his body was failing and falling apart. J. Oswald Sanders died at the age of 90 after he had just finished writing his last book. You know what it was about? Aging. <laughs> I guess he was an authority on that. In the introduction of that book, he, he makes a very interesting point. He, he says that it is possible to be realistic about the aging process without becoming pessimistic or even depressed. He said, realism and optimism with regard to the aging process can sleep in the same bed. And I really think that's the attitude that we're getting here from the Apostle Paul. When it comes to aging, we've got to be realistic. We're not getting younger. And you know what? Just believe it from me. Things just keep getting worse. I'm serious. And you know, Ronnie, you finally come to a point where you think, you know, I guess I'm just going to have to deal with this because it ain't getting better. Y'all know I've had problems with my eye. I keep having different things happen in both of my eyes. And, and not long ago, I had a big black dot pop up in my left eye. And it was already my bad eye. And then my right eye, which was my worst eye. <laughs> this past week, I had a dot pop up in that eye. And so now I've had problems with both of my eyes. And, and then I woke up this morning after last night, and I've got a sty in my left eye. So, man, it's just getting worse. It doesn't get better. It gets worse. And here's what Paul's saying. He says, when it comes to your body, you've got to be realistic. But we can either be realistic and pessimistic, or we can be realistic and optimistic. And Paul was being a realist, but he was also being optimistic. And his secret is in the next phrase which is the next dimension of healthy living. And what is it? It's the inward dimension. Let me go back and read verses 16 through 18 one more time to you. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man 
is being renewed, here it is, day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but we're looking at what? Those things that are unseen. Church, this is a profound statement. He is, he is using the analogy of a pair of scales where you weigh something. And he says inside of each one of us, we have an emotional pair of scales. On the one side, we have joy, and on the other side, we have depression. On one side are our temporary problems, and on the other side is our eternal glory. And when we fail to renew ourselves day by day, we tend to forget about the glory side of the scales, and we focus only on our afflictions, and they become heavy. I think you know what he's talking about, because we talk all the time about being heavy-hearted, don't we? Or about carrying a heavy load. And I'm here to tell you, when you do not daily renew yourself, when you don't daily take in the Word of God, when you're not daily spending time with Jesus and praying to Him, I'm telling you, the problems of this world will weigh us down. And that side of the scale on the inside of us, talking about our afflictions, it will weigh us down and pull us this way, and we will lose all of our joy and we will lose our lightheartedness. Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians 4.17 that when we are being daily renewed in the inner man and, and when we are refreshing ourselves daily with the perspective of the Scripture, we begin to see things more nearly as God sees them. And when we see things the way God sees them, our afflictions that are from this world weigh a whole lot less. In fact, they're not heavy at all. Now, what kind of afflictions is Paul referring to here? I think we need to know that. Well, he talks about his own afflictions in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Listen to this paragraph of Scripture. Are they not Hebrews? He says, so am I. Are they not Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. And then he goes into his afflictions. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That is five times he was beaten 39 times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Boy, I've been standing on the, the shores of the ocean, look out into the water at nighttime, and I think about old Paul out there in the deep floating around. Boy, that would be scary, would it not? He says, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all of the churches. Wow. Can, can I tell you something? 
There is no way any of us or even all of us collectively have suffered the afflictions that Paul went through. We, we may have one or two of those, but you know what? Here's the deal. You've got your own afflictions, don't you? And to you, those are just as big as all of these that Paul carried around. But here's what Paul is saying. You take all the afflictions that you could face in life, you bundle them all together, and you throw them on my back, and I'm going to tell you, they ain't nothing. They are light. Why? Why, why did he have that attitude? Because they are working for us, he says, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Because really, here's the way he breaks it down. He said, that internal scale that is in my life, the afflictions of this world that can bog us down, and then eternal glory. He says, when you put it all in perspective, this is the heavy side over here. Eternal glory. So instead of being tilted this way with all the afflictions that we have in life, let's flip the scale. Let's see these things as, as they, what they really are. You know what? It may be tough right now in your life, but you know what? It's going to get better. You may be facing some dark days, but light is coming. And I'm here to tell you, even if you're facing the worst thing you can imagine, death, if you're a believer, it ain't no big deal because this side over here is a whole lot heavier. It's glory. And really, that is the fourth dimension that Paul talks about, the upward dimension. I've got to read verses 16 through 18 another time, so follow along. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We don't get discouraged. Even though the outward man is perishing, that inward man, he's being renewed day by day. For our light affliction is but for a moment, and it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but we are looking at those things which are unseen. He goes on to tell us there the things of glory, the things of heaven. That's what we're looking at, the things that are unseen. We are inwardly renewed because we are upwardly focused. We are being renewed day by day in the inner man because our eyes are on heaven. We see which is invisible. What is Paul referring to here? Well, he's talking about everlasting life. Now, you read verse 18, and you've got to understand that in the original, the end of chapter 4 just bleeds into chapter 5. There were no chapter divisions when Paul wrote this. So let me read verse 18 and then go into chapter 5, verse 1. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands that is eternal in the heavens. So, so what's he talking about? He's talking about our resurrected bodies, the part of us that goes on to heaven. He's talking about eternal life, about the new Jerusalem with streets of gold and rivers that are crystal rivers. He goes on in chapter 5, verse 9, to say this, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 
that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done. So let me bring everybody together. There will come a time in your life when you individually will stand before God and you will give an account of your life, of how you've lived your life, and of what you've done with Jesus Christ. And if during this life you have accepted God's plan of salvation and said yes to Jesus and invited him into your life, then you know what? That's going to be a glorious day. You're going to leave this old world of sin and you're going to spend eternity in heaven not having to worry about hell. And let me tell you, everything is going to be great in heaven. Yeah. I love to read stories of, of people who die and then they're resuscitated. Have you ever read these stories? And, you know, you, you question whether or not they're true. I, I recently read a story from a lady named Cheryl Wilson. She was a missionary to Haiti, and that happened to her. She died. And during the 30 minutes she was dead, she said she went to heaven. And she described it, and, and it was glorious, it's just like the, the Bible says. But 30 minutes later, she was resuscitated. And for years, she was upset because they resuscitated her. She didn't want to come back to this old world. Why? Because heaven is so much better. I told the people in the first service, I, I apologize to them. I guess I'll apologize to you too. I'm here today. I'm here in body, but I'm, I'm not here. My mind's somewhere else. Let me back up to last Sunday afternoon. Uh, we got in the car, my family, Zane, Zane was with us. Uh, uh, Whitney and, and uh, Ella Jane and, and Archie were in the vehicle and we drove to Corning, Arkansas where Angie's mom lives. Angie's had a bad, or Peggy's had a bad year, 2020. She's probably been in the hospital more than she's been at home this whole year. And uh, they put her on hospice care and uh, they told her, doctor told her, Peggy, you need to, you know, I'm just going to be real with you. You need to get things in line and you need to see the people you need to see because you're not going to be here much longer. And so she asked all the families uh, to come. Angie's got four siblings. There's five of those Archer kids. And so all of them were coming through and, and seeing Grandma Peggy. We knew for the last time. So Sunday afternoon, we, we drove to Corning and we got to spend a couple of days with her, and, and uh, on Monday night, last Monday night, we were in her bedroom, my little, just my little family, and she was laying in bed there and, and just really struggling, and, and uh, she took my hand, and uh, she still got a grip, okay? She took my hand, and, and she said, Will, I want you to do my funeral. I want you to preach my funeral when I die. She said, but there's two things. I don't want it to be sad. It, I don't want it to be a sad funeral. And I've been, I've been thinking about that all week. How, how can you not be sad? Here's what I've discovered. You can have a tear in your eye when there's joy in your heart. Okay? And then she said, I don't want it to be long. Okay? She's been to a lot of long funerals like we have, man. She said, I want it to be happy and I want it to be short. Well, we had to get up Tuesday morning and, and come back. Zane had a class at U of A he had to get to, and so we came back. All, all day on Tuesday, Angie was getting texts from her siblings that Peggy was taking a turn for the worse, and then 
9.30, Tuesday night, she got a phone call uh, that Peggy was coughing up blood, and she asked for her kids. And so this is 9.30. The previous two nights, uh, Sunday night and Monday night, Angie was with her mom, so she didn't sleep any those two nights. Uh, we had driven back from Corning. It was 9.30 at night. She got that call, and, and she looked at me, Ken, and she says, I'm going. And when an archer makes up their mind they're going to do something, you can't rationalize with them. So she packed her stuff, and at 9.45, she jumped in the vehicle, and she headed back up to Corning. She got there about 2.15 a.m., and a little bit before 3, Miss Peggy took her last breath went to heaven. Tomorrow we're going to have her funeral, Corning, Arkansas, 2 o'clock. So I'm here <laughs> doing what I'm supposed to do, but there's a part of me that's not here. And I have discovered this week, and especially today as we sing those songs of praise to God, that Jesus is enough. And that we will receive the strength that we need to face whatever it is in life that we face. Not in one big dose. You don't get it all at the same time. But he will give you the strength that you need day by day as you lean on him. And as you are renewed in your spirit. Peggy spoke to me personally and, and she gave me one more instruction. She said, you make sure that you give the people who are there the plan of salvation. And you know what? That's what it's all about. Making sure that you get to heaven. And I want you to be in heaven. Those online, those in this room, I, more than anything, I want you to be in heaven. I, I want your spirit today to be renewed and things right with Jesus so that when you take your last breath your next breath is in heaven so are you saved are you going to heaven we say at Kavanaugh it, it's really simple it's not complicated in fact it's as simple as ABC a accept the fact that you're a sinner you are B believe that only Jesus can save you he's the only one who can and then C confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior and then for the rest of you who are watching or listening in person, it is my prayer that your spirit would be renewed today and that God would give you the strength that you need today to face whatever it is you're facing. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you need to be saved, right now is the time to ask Jesus to come into your heart. Just a simple little prayer, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, save me. I confess you as Lord of my life. To the rest of us who are here, let's seek that strength that only he can give. Let your heart be renewed today by his grace, his mercy, and his strength. Dear Jesus, I pray that you'd give us what we need the most today. Fill our lives with the Holy Spirit. Make our faith real and help us, dear Lord, to keep going no matter what. Help us to press on. Help us not to give in or give up. Help us to stay true to you. I love you, Lord. I pray a blessing on everyone 
who's listening to this service, whether online or in person. I pray, dear Lord, for those in our church who are sick. I pray, dear Lord, for those who are grieving. Be real and near to us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Just a couple of instructions before we, we leave or reminders. Before you get up out of your pew, make sure you put your mask back on. Uh, there, there's been a resurgence and a spike of, of COVID-19 in our area. We have numerous church members who are suffering from this. <clears throat> they did not get it here, okay? So, because we're trying to do the right thing. Make sure you mask up. Uh, as you walk out, you can put your tithe in the little black box. You can give online or you can mail your tithe into the church. If you're giving to adopt a family, make sure that you note that on the envelope or the check. AAF is good enough, adopt a family. If you don't know what adopt a family is, let me quickly share with you. Uh, on December 6th, we're going to give Christmas to 130 needy families in the River Valley. Not 130 kids, but 130 families of kids. To be able to do this, we need your help, so sign up to help. Also, you can, you can fund one family for $300. Right now, we have 69 families fully funded, so we're thankful for that. Pray and ask God what you can do for Adopt a Family. Uh, also, uh, if you go to KavanaughChurch.com, the third banner, uh, if you click on that, it's for Team Ron. Uh, Ron Rogers, member of our church, involved in a motorcycle accident back in February, uh, paralyzed from his neck down. Uh, we have started a GoFundMe account for Ron. It's called Team Ron, so you can go to this banner, click on it. It'll take you to GoFundMe. You can either write an encouraging note to Ron and Sandy, or you can give, and uh, that would be appreciated. I would ask that you do that. Also, on our website, you can sign up for We Worship. For the new year, we do need helpers there. Also, Ladies Bible Study. This Tuesday is the last installment of Ladies Bible Study, whether it's in the morning or in the evening. Tonight at 6.30 on KavanaughChurch.com or on our Facebook Live page, you can watch the adult Bible study lesson. Brother Ray Copeland is going to be teaching that. And then 7 o'clock Wednesday night, we're going to have uh, uh, stuff for all ages, so come back for that. Know that I love you, the staff loves you, most of all, God loves you. Have a great week and walk with Him. You're dismissed.